we were laughing about uh, youth group because Mother's Day, we usually cancel youth for Sunday night on Mother's Day because it's Mother's Day and the moms want all the kids together and let's be together as a family. And I said to Stephen, we could probably have it on Father's Day because Father's Day is like, you got somewhere my kids can go? That's great. Let's get them out of here. <laughs> I, can, I can go golfing or go to the driving range for a couple hours. So happy Father's Day to you if you're a dad here. Uh, we wanted to uh, wish you a special Father's Day. Um, it's an important day. We are reminded this day, um, in addition to many other days, but this is the day we celebrate it, that there is great value in being a father. There's great worth in being a father. I want to encourage all the dads here today. There's great power that you have to set the tone for your family, to be a voice of wisdom and encouragement to your family, to be your, uh, an encouragement to your kids. Um, to guide and lead your family. So I want to just encourage you dads today. The message today will be kind of geared towards fathers, but to uh, really all of us as well. And I wanted to start out this morning, just be I'm mindful that for a lot of us here, maybe some of you here, you don't have a loving father in the picture, a loving earthly father. That Father's Day is a bit of a tricky day for you, or maybe your dad has passed on. Um, I just want to encourage you and a couple, a couple of ways, we worship a God who promises to be the father to the fatherless. Yes, and so uh, I just want to encourage you with that. And also, the way that God moves about the earth, his presence moves about the earth, is through the body of Christ. So I wanted to encourage you as well. We are your family. We are your family. Um, I just want, we keep, we keep mentioning that at Homestead. We're a family. We're a community. If you don't have an earthly family, that is a support system for you. If you don't have an earthly father, that's a support system to you. We want to rally around you. We love one of the things that we talk about most at this church is we want to grow together. And the, one of the ways we do that is we have generations working together, doing ministry together. Um, worshiping together. I love that we have enthusiastic sixth graders entering the youth group, and I love that we have older people that still say, yeah, I'm young adult. I could go to that thing. Uh, I'm, I feel 30, you know, um, but I love that we have generations doing life together, and this is one of the things we talk about. We want to have opportunities to mentor one another. Maybe if you're here and you don't have a loving earthly father in the picture, there are people around this church that would love to come alongside of you and help you, pour into you. Um, maybe you are someone who would have some mentoring hours to pour into a young man or a young lady in this church. We just want that to be central to what we do as a, as a congregation. Grow together. The generations growing together, seeing value in the generations. We never want to be a church that has separate things for all different age groups. We will do some of those things, but collectively, we want to worship God together and grow in our faith together. Um, so, if you have a Bible here, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 1. Through the summer, or most of the summer, we're working through the book of Psalms. In most Bibles, you can kind of go right into the middle, and you'll find Psalms pretty close to around there. It's kind of right in the middle of the Old Testament. Um, if you would like a Bible, there should be some black hardcover Bibles in the pews that you're sitting in somewhere. You can follow along. The words will also be on the screen. I'll be reading out of the NIV uh, translation. So the Psalm 1, it fits, like I mentioned, with a Father's Day message, but really applies to all of us, all of us as followers of Jesus. And if we're going to read the whole thing in a minute, um, there's six verses. So when the preacher says we're going to read this whole chapter, sometimes you get a little nervous. There's only six verses, so we got off easy today for Father's Day, right? We can get home in time for the final round of the U.S. Open or whatever it is that we're watching today on TV. 
Um, there is a common theme that you will see in Psalm 1. If you're familiar with the Scripture, especially the Old Testament, there's a theme that you see throughout Scripture and certainly one that applies today in Psalm chapter 1, that God lays before us a choice. There's always a choice that he puts towards us. He says, you can follow me, you can follow in the path of godliness and righteousness, the path that God lays out, and if you do that, things are going to go well. Or you can follow your own path, you can follow the path of sin or idolatry or own your self-centeredness, and you can go your own way, and that way does not go well. This is a theme that we see God instructing the Israelites through the Old Testament. We see Jesus teach about that in the New Testament, and we have a choice to live for him. He laid it out right at the beginning of this covenant with Abraham. He said, we're going to have a covenant relationship. I'll be your God. You be my people. And if you follow me, things are going to go well for you. This is a theme we see. And so as we read Psalm 1, you're going to see that same theme in Psalm 1. So I wanted to read the whole thing. If you want to follow along in your Bible or up on the screen, the words will be there. Can we throw those words up for Psalm chapter 1? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by, a streams, by streams of water, which yields fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's pray together just for a moment as we start today. Heavenly Father, I pray for this time as we look into your word. I pray that your word would speak to every heart today. Ultimately, God, we want to grow in our faith, and we want to follow you, and we want to live the life that you have for us. So speak to that in every heart today, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so that's Psalm 1. We're going to kind of go through a couple of points from this psalm, and the first one, verse 1, kicks it right off. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. This is that theme I was talking about. If you don't do this, if you don't follow your own path of sin, things are going to go well for you. You will be blessed. But here's a main idea that I really want us to get today. And this is an idea that a scripture like this so often gets misunderstood in church. So often you would read this and you would think something that's not accurate. And so I want to get this main idea um, because it can be so misunderstood. I want to get this main idea out there today, all right? It's easy to look at that scripture and to think it's saying something like this. You better live right and do what's right or God is going to be mad at you and send lots of bad stuff your way. Okay, how many of you have ever kind of had that view of God? Or you don't have to raise your hand. That'd be weird today. <laughs> Maybe you know you're, you're raising your hand for a friend. Maybe you had a friend that thought, why would I want to worship a God that says, you got to do things exactly the way I want. And if you do, maybe I'll send some blessings your way. And as soon as you don't, it's like the heavenly thumb kind of smooshing down, like, well, let's see how you like it now. You know, how many have you ever felt like God was that way? That like you read that and you're like, well, if I, if I veer from the perfect path of life, God's going to be mad at me. God's going to send lots of bad stuff my way. We live right 
to appease God and earn his love. That's what a lot of people think. And this is not what this verse is saying. In fact, that message is not in the Bible. This is not what Bible and Scripture is about. And many people have that view of God, and it's why many, and maybe you would put yourself in that camp, you've turned away from faith or you've wandered away from the church because why would I want to worship a God like that? When you think about an earthly father, talking about dads on Father's Day, if you had an earthly father that it was all about, well, as long as you do everything to make me happy, kids, and you do all the right things and you behave the right way, then I will show love and affection to you. And maybe you had an earthly father that was that way. As soon as you started messing up, that affection or that encouragement or that love was withheld from your earthly father. This is not how our heavenly father works, right? This is not how our heavenly father works. That would be a terrible earthly father. That would be a terrible heavenly father. What do we know about God in the Bible? We know that God is love. We know that God is love. And he's always reaching out to us. Even in the Old Testament, when God set up that covenant with Abraham and said, Abraham, you guys will, here's some commandments and some laws, and that's your way of showing the covenant. And I'll show my end of the covenant by being faithful to you. Even the times when Israel was unfaithful, God was still faithful to them, still reaching out. Ultimately, we know that Jesus Christ coming to earth was God's ultimate gesture of reaching out to mankind, saying, I have a way for you to be righteous with the Father, to be one with the Father. And so when Jesus, and I really want to get this, this is kind of like basic theology stuff today, which you're super excited about, I can tell. When Jesus died and rose, this was the once and for all sacrifice. That old covenant from the Old Testament was gone, and we have a new covenant, not based on how well we follow the rules, but based on his death and resurrection. So if you are in Christ, and the Bible's very clear about this, if you have your faith in Jesus, if you've received the salvation of Jesus, Whenever God the Father looks at you, he sees righteous. He sees forgiven. He sees pure and holy. Like the same righteousness that Jesus had is bestowed on us. So this is the best news that you can have today on your Father's Day for all of us. When God looks at us, he sees righteous. He sees forgiven. So when we read a psalm like this that talks about if you, if you live in the path of sin, you will not be blessed. What it's saying is not that God is going to be mad at you if you mess up. What it's saying is that this pursuit of righteousness, this pursuit of godliness, choosing the path of life is not for God's benefit. It's not so that he will love us and accept us. It's for our benefit because God looks at our life and says, if you will do these things, things are just going to go well for you. If you're a person that has forgiveness in your heart, life is just going to go better for you than if you're bound in bitterness and wickedness. Parents, we would say this about our kids. Now, kids, you never think this when your parent says, trust me, do this, obey this rule, and things are going to go better for you. You all say, why? Why? And us parents, we don't know why. We say, because we said so, and it just goes off the rails from there. As parents, as loving parents, we know there's ways that our kids can live. There's paths that they can choose that we just know is going to go well for them. It's, not, it's got nothing to do with us loving them or not loving them, right? It's because if they start hanging around with kids they start picking up a bad habit. You look at that and you think, oh man, I know how this story ends. Maybe you walked through a similar situation. You know where that path leads. 
So your desire for your kids to follow in the right path is not at all based on your ability to love them or not love them. It's because you know it's going to go better for them. You just know it's going to go better for them. Any parents can nod and agree? Yes. They start coming home with a, you know, smoking two packs a day. You're going to be like, whoa, who are you hanging out with? And, you know, you shouldn't do that. And it's nothing to do with your love. It's because you know that's a bad road to go down. That was a total 80s example of a bad kid <laughs> habit right there, right? <laughs> that's a teenager growing up in the 80s where smoking cigarettes was, whoa, that's the worst thing ever. All right, moving on. So verse 1. We just read it. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. That word blessed means joyful. It means happy. It means content. There's one definition from the original Hebrew language that means blissful, filled with bliss and joy and happiness. This is not blessed like God is happy with you. This is blessed that you are joyful. Life is going well. Really, the, the way to translate that verse in our modern English would be, life goes well for those who do not walk in step with the wicked. So you might be listening to this today, and you need to make that switch in your mind. That the commands of God, the precepts of God, the guidelines that God lays out in his word are not to make God happy with us. They're not for his benefit, they're for our benefit. They're so that life will go well for us. When we talk about reading Bible, we we're going through the New Testament this year with our Foundations Reading Plan. We invite you to keep up with that. When we talk about having times of prayer or devotion or praying with your families, when we talk about, when I talked about having mentoring happen in our church or coming to church to worship together as the family of God, growing in your faith, it is not to earn anything from God, it is for our good. I am telling you, this is how life will go well for you if you prioritize the things of God. And another thing in verse 1 that stands out to me is uh, the psalmist, the person writing this psalm, uses interesting imagery and language here. You can kind of see the progression of sin in the verbs that are used here, okay? So it's, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. It's almost like there's a progression of sin that drags us down, where we're walking along so good in life, and all of a sudden we get distracted, and we start listening to a voice of sin, or listening to an influence, and all of a sudden, instead of walking in our faith, we stand, and we're still, and we've stopped moving forward, and now we're standing in the way that sinners take. And then what's the third one? Now we sit in the company of mockers. Now we're stuck. What started out as walking turned to we're not moving forward anymore, turned to dragging us down to sitting and being stuck in our sin or the seat of mockers. Other translation says scoffers. That's a great word. Does not sit in the company of scoffers or mockers, people who are openly resistant or openly hostile to the things of God. That's what the psalmist is saying here. We walk and then we stand and then we sit we can see that progression there. So there's two points out of that first verse that I want to highlight. And that first one is that sin and wickedness, the pathway of sin in our life has a progression, has a progression. You might think, oh, it's just a little compromise. It's just a little area of compromise in my life. Dads, I want to encourage you on Father's Day. There's no such thing as just a little area of compromise. What we see in verse 1 of Psalm 1 is it is a progression. Something that can be a distraction will eventually cause you to stop moving forward in your faith, which will eventually cause you to sit down and be stuck in your sin. There is no innocent 
minimal compromise in the area of sin. It is something that will entice you at first, and then it'll grip your heart, and it'll drag your life down. That's what sin does. That's what wickedness does. This is the pathway of sin. This is what the psalmist is telling us about. And the second one is this. The second point I get from that first verse in Psalm 1 is this. Who you listen to is so important. Who you allow or what you allow to influence your life is so important. This is for everybody here. What you allow to influence your life, students, parents, young adults, the influences that you have on your life are so important. Whose voices are speaking into you? Think about that. Whose voices are influencing you the most? Maybe it's a friend or a family member or a relationship. Who are you spending time with the most? Is that person or is that influence spurring you on towards righteousness? Or would you describe some of your close friends, and maybe you wouldn't describe them to their face this way, but would you describe them as a company of scoffers, you know, with the things of God? Maybe it's your work environment or your circle of friends where you would recognize, yeah, this is not an environment that is spurring me on to the path of God. It is, a, it is sitting at the seat of mockers. Who you have influencing you, the voices you have speaking into your life, will dictate where you go, will dictate how you walk along this path. We say it to our kids all the time. There's been times where there were certain friendships that my kids have, and I won't make eye contact with any of them because they'll know I'm talking about them, but they've all had moments where there were certain influences or certain friendships that we as parents said, oh, man, that's a great influence, or, man, that's not such a great influence. We see how that can drag them down a different road. All of a sudden, they come home from a sleepover, and they've got attitude, and they're talking back, and you're like, oh, okay, I know which friends were there because they're starting to rub off on you a little bit. Um, that totally sounds like judgy parent. I think there's probably parents who are saying, oh, I know you were hanging out with the Kerr kids today because of all the... I know it goes both ways. The point is, we know that the voices that we allow into us will influence us, right? We see it in our kids. It's no different from us. The media that we allow into us the books we're reading, the TV shows, movies we're watching, the people we're hanging out with, the conversations we have, the jokes we tell. This is all, are we standing in the way of sinners? Are we allowing the seat, of the, the company of mockers and scoffers to influence us? Or are we continuing to have our eyes set on the pathway of God, knowing that that will be the life that is blessed, that is joyful, that it leads to our ultimate happiness? That's what I see in verse 1 of Psalm 1. Verse 2, moving on. So we talked about blessed is the one who doesn't do this, walk with us in the company of sinners or stand in the seat of mockers or all those things. Verse 2 says this. It's the contrast to that. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Blessed is the one who doesn't do all those things in the pathway of sin, who doesn't get enticed by those other things. But happy, good, joyful is the life of the one who spends time in Scripture, spends time with God, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law. That would be talking about the Scripture, who meditates on Scripture, whose delight is in the Scripture. There is a great life for those who have a priority on Scripture and prayer. If you spend time with anybody, including if people spend time with you, it's very clear right away where your delight is what your delight is. Delight is what stirs your heart, 
what makes you happy. We talk about the things or the people we're delighted with the most. So if you spend time with someone, it's going to be pretty clear who, where their delight is or in whom their delight is because it's what stirs their heart. They get excited about it. And the psalm is saying, for you, for me, life is going to go well if that delight starts in the word of God, starts in prayer, starts in your relationship with God the Father, starts in that relationship with Jesus Christ, following him, learning, growing. This is more than just checking a a, a checklist of spiritual life and going to church and saying, well, I got that done. This is having it take root in your heart. And maybe some of you are here and you're saying, I'm trying to read the Bible, I'm trying to pray, and it's a discipline It is not yet a delight. You know, getting up that extra 15 minutes, I'm trying, I'm doing my best. It does not feel like a delight. I'm going to say that I I imagine it's the same way, and I've never really experienced this with physical exercise, but lots of people say this, that it becomes a discipline at first, and then after a while, there's a joy to it. You can just start to feel the difference in your body, in your life. You start to feel that. I promise you, it's the way it works with the Word of God in times of prayer. There's a discipline there, and after a while, you're going to start to see God's Word take root in your heart. You're going to start to hear the voice of God. You're going to recognize that there is applicable things for the situations that you are in, and it is going to move from discipline to delight as you stay faithful with it. God will stir your heart and stir your affections, and you will have an affection for the Word of God in time and prayer. So stick with it. There is a blessed life for those whose delight is in the law of the Lord. We're talking about memorizing scripture, reading the Bible, reading the foundations, reading plan, starting your day. You might want to start your day and end your day with just 15 minutes of reading the Bible and praying. Just taking some time at the end of the day and saying, Lord, here was my day today. Before I go to sleep, I just want to anchor my heart in you again. But let's have the word of God be a delight for our hearts and our minds. All right, moving on to verse 3. Psalmist gives us an image, uh, an image here comparing the, these two paths, where God has laid out two paths. There's the path of wickedness, and there's the path who, for whom delight in the law of the Lord. And then in verse 3 and 4, it says this, talking about the person who delights in God. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. So there's two pictures that the psalmist gives us, two images. Those who pursue the things of God are like a tree firmly planted by a river or by the water. In this region, the the readers of this psalm, the Israelites originally, they were in a climate that was very dry, very harsh climate, extremely dry. Drought was not uncommon. There was not a lot of fertile soil to grow things, except if you were by a river or by a body of water or a man-made irrigation canal or whatever. If there was a body of water, the soil around that would be very fertile and you could grow lots of good stuff there. And trees that were, that were growing by the river or by the streams, their roots would go down deep, they would tap into the, under, you know, the water supply, and they would be nourished. No You know, it did not matter if there was a drought. It did not matter how hot the sun was beating down on it because they had their roots firmly planted in the fertile soil next to the stream of water. It yield, that tree is firmly planted. It has nourishment. It yields fruit in its season. Its leaves never wither. And this is an incredibly dry climate. This is an incredibly harsh climate where everywhere else, 
it's very hard for things to grow and it'll wither up and die. But this, because they are by the water, its leaves never wither. And it has an advantage. This tree has its advantage because it's constantly tapped into its source. It's constantly tapped into the source of water, and that's why it can prosper. That's why it is fruitful. That's why it is drought resistant. When storms come along, it does not affect these trees because they are well nourished. That is the image we have for people who have their lives in delight for the word of God, who choose the path of godliness. Now, this is compared to the wicked person or the people who follow their own path. They are like chaff. You ever heard the phrase, separate the wheat from the chaff? Anyone ever heard that? Maybe that's another, you know, 80s kid thing. But that was, if you're farming wheat or corn or any other harvest, especially in this time, you would gather all the kernel, you know, all the wheat stalks, and you'd kind of try to separate all the good stuff, the kernels of wheat or corn, but you'd also get mixed in there all the little bits of the stalk or the plant or leaves or dirt or dust, and would all be mixed in there with the grains that you really wanted. And so to separate it, what they would do is they'd, throw, you know, they'd find a spot where there was a little breeze blowing, and they'd throw it all up in the air. And then the kernels of grain or corn or wheat, whatever, would have some substance to it, and they would fall back down where they would catch them again. And all that extra stuff is called the chaff, that extra stuff that they got to get rid of. And when they throw it up, the wind, because it's light, it just carries it away. So they toss everything up. And what comes back down is the good stuff, the grain, the corn. And then you, they keep doing it until all the chaff had been blown away. The chaff is that extra stuff that really has no worth, no value. Chaff is that extra stuff that is discarded when you're harvesting and you're looking for the wheat or the corn. There's no substance there. Now, again, I've already mentioned this. The psalmist is not saying this. He's not saying this. If you walk the road of sin and wickedness, then God thinks you're worthless and just wants to get rid of you. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that if you live your life in the counsel of sin and evil, you'll look back and realize that your whole life amounted to nothing but chaff, nothing but worthless things that just blew away. They vanished at the end. There's nothing of substance left at the end of your life. And none of us want to look back on our life and say, oh man, I spent all that time and there's nothing of value. There's nothing of substance. There's nothing that is well-nourished or alive. You'll look at the investment you made in your kids, and you'll find little value there. You think, man, I wish I would have poured more into them, the things that really matter, the things that they can hold on to that can anchor their lives for the rest of their life. Chaff is a metaphor for just spending your time on the wrong stuff, the stuff that's just going to blow away, that's fleeting, that's worthless. And that's a stark contrast compared to that well-nourished fruitful tree which can thrive in any condition or any surroundings. That is the kind of life that I want. And what the scripture says is the way to do that is to walk in the path of godliness, to walk in the path of the righteous. So this message today, I got a few minutes left, is for all of us, but especially I want to encourage the dads today on Father's Day. Who are you walking with in your life? Who are you walking with? What are you pursuing are there areas of your life where you're standing with the wicked or scoffing at the things of God? Maybe you're just kind of dismissing the things of God and you're pursuing your own things. Where is the delight of your heart today, dads? What stirs your affections? What stirs your heart? I want the word of God, the precepts, the commands of God, the guidelines that God has for your life. I want those to be one of those delights. I want that to be the first thing that you think of when you wake up. Say, God, I want to live this day for you. I want everything that I do today to matter. 
I don't want it to be building up something that's just going to blow away in the wind. I want it to have substance, to be well-nourished. I want it to be anchored in you. Where is your delight? Where is your heart? What are the voices that are speaking into you? Maybe there's a voice that you just need to kind of say, you know what, i got to stop listening to that. i stop, got to stop spending so much time there or with that group or with this because you know it's an influence that is pulling you towards the seat of the scoffers and the seat of those who mock the things of God. One thing specifically, dads, in regards to church and faith, don't be the last. Dads, I want to challenge you. Don't be the, the, the hardest one to motivate to go to church in your house, okay, dads? Don't be the... Don't be the anchor that everyone feels like they got to drag to the things of God. And we know there's families in our church where maybe it was the wife who came and got saved and then brought the rest of the family. Some, we've got families in our church where someone came to youth group, got saved, and then the rest of the family started coming. We, we recognize that's, that's the case, and we love that. That's why we reach out to kids and have youth ministry, because we want all families, no matter how we do it, no matter how God gets in, to transform every family. But I know there are some fam- I know I have known families in the past where it was... Mom was on board. The kids were excited about church. And every once in a while, they could drag dad to church. And so I know I'm preaching to the choir here because it's Father's Day. And you've got, a, you've got like a hall pass to go golfing or fishing or whatever you want on Father's Day. And you came to church. So way to go, dads, on that. But I want to encourage you. Lead the way. Be the forerunner of faith in your family. Don't be the one that people have to drag along. Don't be the scoffer or the mocker about things of God. When you see God doing a work in your kids, celebrate that. You know, uh, what's the word? A fire, you, you know, make the fire, fan the flames, fan the flames, Dad. I could, man, I need a, goodness, I need a nap today or something. Thank goodness. When you see God working in your kids, celebrate that. Fan that flame, spur that on. Don't question that. Don't be like, well, you're going to church again. Be the cheerleader of faith in your family. Be the leader of faith in your family. Amen, dads? Be the one that is leading the way. Watch who's influencing you. Be around people who spur you on to godliness. We have a great group of guys that meet every other Friday morning. We met this past Friday, and not this Friday, but next we'll meet at Blue Nose Coffee. It's just coffee with other guys in the church. We meet for an hour from 7 to 8. It's just a time to be around great guys in the church. And it's just we talk about life. That's it. We just have coffee together. Be around people who are going to spur you on. We've got people who could do coffee with you if you wanted someone to just mentor you or, or teach you, disciple you, to teach you about the Bible. We've got, uh, we've got opportunities for you to do groups this summer where you could get to know people, to have a circle of friends or influencers in your life that would spur you on to godliness. Is there an area of your life that you know is compromised right now? Dads. Is there an area of life that you know is compromised right now that you need to do a work in that, that you need to allow God to do that work in you? And I just want you to think about this. In 10 years or 20 years at the end of your life, you're going to look back, and what do you want to see? What do you want to see is the harvest of your life? I want all of us, and this is what I'm praying for all of us today, is that we will look back and we will see a life that is like that tree firmly planted, bearing fruit, being nourished by the source that never runs dry, and that's God and his Holy Spirit. Not hindered by drought or storm. Not wavering every time a bad circumstance comes along, but someone who is anchored in the word of God, being fruitful. And you know what I love about those trees? It says the leaves are always there. There's fruit in season. It's not flourishing just for its own benefit. 
It is flourishing for everyone around it. It's providing shade for those who need shade. It's providing fruit for those who need nourishment. Dads, your life, firmly planted in God, will yield fruit and leaves and shelter for those around you, for your family. There is great blessing that comes for kids growing up in a home where mom and dad are firmly planted in God. There is great blessing. Life goes well in that regard. There is blessing that comes from you. That tree is not just prospering for its own benefit. It is prospering for the benefit of all around. So dads, lead the way. Be in the front line of faith. Be in the front line of prayer for your family. Our kids have attacks coming against them. Our kids are facing battles and obstacles, and we have a spiritual enemy that wants to drag us down. Dads, be the one who is saying, I'm praying, I'm praying most for my family more than anyone else. Any attack that comes against my family is going to face me first because I'm on my knees in prayer for my kids, for my wife, for my family. Be in the front line. Don't be passive. Anchor your life in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So how I want to end this, and this might make some of the dads feel weird. It'll be okay, dads. We're all right, and we're almost done with church. So if you're a father here, I want us to just take a moment and pray for all the dads here on Father's Day, okay? So if you're a dad... I want you to stand up. Dads, stand up, all right? And the rest of us, in a moment, we're going to stand up. But look around, everybody here. Here's all the dads. All right? Can, yes. Thank you, dads. Thanks for sharing Sunday morning. I want to encourage you. God has so much for you. God has his hand on your life. You have such influence in your world, in your marriage, in your family. So we want to pray for you today. So if we could do this, I would love it if every one of these dads who's standing would have somebody with a hand, uh, would have a hand on their shoulder. So if we could all, the rest of us, stand, put a hand on the shoulder. And dads, if you're standing next to another dad, put a hand on their shoulder too. We're going to pray for all the dads. All right, we're moving. Anyone, anyone not have a hand on their shoulder? Just me. There we go. Oh, yes. Look at my girls. Oh, precious. All right. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example you are. Faithful God, God who stirs our hearts, God who is always reaching out, God who looks at us and sees love and forgiveness and mercy. And I'm praying today, God the Father, for all of these dads here, I'm praying for your blessing, for your hand of protection, for your hand of provision. I pray for the voice of the Holy Spirit to be so real in their hearts and in their minds that they would be led by you in every endeavor, that they would have a delight for the word of God and for the things of prayer and faith, that nothing that comes against them would be able to shake them from that foundation of faith they have in you, that their lives would bear fruit, that they would have deep roots planted in the word of God and in the things of God and in their faith, that they would grow. For those who are discouraged today, I pray that you would bring people alongside of them to lift up their arms and to spur them on. I pray for their families, for kids that maybe are struggling right now, that your hand of blessing would come upon their families, that we would see the fruit of godly living in each of these men and their families. God, I pray for your um, word to come alive in their hearts, for everything that they do, it would bear fruit, for the prospering of the Holy Spirit to come upon them, that everything they do would go well and would be blessed, and that we would see great fruit come from these lives. I commit them into your care today, God. May you bless them and keep them. May your face shine upon them and give them peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen.